Well, Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Man, I'll just say, uh, you know the phrase, like, it's like Christmas morning? <laughs> it is Christmas morning. I mean, this is as good as it gets for me, okay? Like uh, family time, church family time, all wrapped up in one. Like, thank you for this Christmas present. Uh, this is so great. I, I, I have grown up uh, in a home that, that celebrated Christmas with the joy of Christ my whole life. I, I'm so blessed to, to have grown up with, with parents that, that knew Jesus and know Jesus and have pointed me to him all of my life. And we did that every year by reading the Christmas story. Not, not like the one that's on repeat on TBS, right? But the Christmas story. And so I, I thought that there would be no better way for me to start my time in the Word with us this morning than to, to read Luke 2 uh, and, and the beginning there. Uh, we've already read this at our house this morning. And uh, maybe if that's not a tradition for you, maybe that's one you start in your home, that you read Luke 2 as a, as a family um, to kind of refocus yourself, even around the presents and the food and all the other things. So... Uh, Let's, let's, let's hear from God's word and the recounting of the birth of our Savior, Jesus. Luke chapter 2. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria. And all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from Galilee from the town of Nazareth to Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. She gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of a great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. When they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary, she treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This, this is the story. Of, of the one, I love this part in verse 11, the birth of uh, our Savior who is Christ the Lord. 
a savior, one who comes to rescue and redeem. The Christ, the promised one, the Lord, the sovereign king over all came for us. Hey kids, uh, by the way, well done, parents. Uh, I realize that there is no, I'm, no child care today and good job anyway, okay? We're gonna make it through this, no worries. I'm not worried, so you don't be worried, okay? Uh, but, but kids, I want you to do something. If you have a piece of paper nearby, I want you to draw out the, the manger scene as you know it. Draw out, right? Baby Jesus and Joseph and Mary. You can draw an angel maybe. maybe. Obviously, there's some shepherds there. Maybe you can think of some animals that might have been in that, that stable, whether that's sheep that came with the, the shepherds or a cow or whatever might have been around. Okay, I want you to draw that. Draw that manger scene. Remember that on this Christmas morning of 2022, we are gathered together to celebrate Jesus' birth. What took place in that manger on that night? I, I wanted to begin by reading that passage because it does have, in, in a way, like such nostalgia with it for me. It's one of those that I, it draws my attention back to Christ every single time. But I wanted us to consider the next portion of Scripture for really our, our message today regarding like what Christ is, what, what the birth of Jesus really means for us. This is just the telling of his birth, but, but what does that mean? Well, so, so if you would, go back to Luke 2. And we'll start in verse 22. When the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up, that's Jesus, to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. So, here, here's what's taking place. This is, this is really like 40 days after Jesus' birth. It gets a little confusing when you start to try to do math, but like there's eight days and there's 33 days, and if you do math, that doesn't seem to equal 40, but it's the, there's an overlap of the eighth day and the first of the 40th, 33rd, okay? So just trust me, it's 40 days after, okay? And, and so this... This is what Christ is for the people. This is, this is what we're going to see in these next several verses of what Christ is for the people. And the first thing he is for the people is a fulfillment of the law of the Hebrews. Now, this is, this is important because what we see is that Jesus was a Hebrew, right? Jesus was Jewish by birth. His, his mom, Mary, his father, Joseph, like they were, in fact, they were of the lineage of David. They're having to go to, to the town of Bethlehem to be registered because this is their town there. This is the declaration that who he comes from. But what they're doing on this 40th day is fulfilling the very law of the Hebrews. This was not just like a general custom. This was the expectation for the people of Israel. So notice this. In these few verses, there's a whole lot more there than I, I think uh, at just first glance we would know. 
But in this law, the law of Moses included a declaration of the family. This is a, a part of really like the circumcision act there. It's declaring that this child is a part of the people of Israel, that, that he is in fact Hebrew, that he is in fact a part of this family. This is important, right? It's important to think that Jesus was, had, a, had a declaration as a part of the family. But in addition, the law of Moses, as you, we just read, included a, a purification of the body. What, what took place there in the temple was that even there was a cleansing of Mary or of whoever the mother would be. So there's this, this cleansing act, kind of a, you can think, like in, in Psalm 51, give us clean hands and a pure heart. So there's a, a physical act of cleansing so that the mother could be in this presence, could be even at the temple in this way. Then in addition to that, the law of Moses included an atonement for the soul. So there's a, a declaration of the family, a purification of the body, an atonement for the soul. Atonement to, to be made right with God for the soul to be made right. And here's how. That was done through sacrifice. Verse 24. To offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. A pair of two turtle doves and a pair and two young pigeons. In that, do you see, church family, do you see the comparison? Notice, notice what I just said. That the law of Moses... Jesus was, was expressing in these verses a declaration of the family, a purification of the body, and an atonement for the soul. When you turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus, this is what happens to you, right? Salvation in Christ brings a declaration of the family. Just last night, we were looking in John 1 that, that when you turn away from your sin and trust in Jesus, you are brought in, called a child of God. That sounds like family, doesn't it? This is yes, this is no. That sounds like family, doesn't it? Ch the child of God, uh, uh, children, the, the children that we hear in the room right now, those are because they're somebody's kid. They're, they're family, right? And so in the same way, this is a, brought into the family of God. You get to be called a son and daughter of the king. This is a declaration of family. When you trust in Jesus, there's a purification of the body. It's that, that you are cleansed in that same way of giving us clean hands and a pure heart. And there's atonement, meaning that someone else paid your debt. You see, what, what happens is you and I deserve to be punished. And we, we don't have the way to be one with God. We don't have the way in and of ourselves to be right with God. But in Jesus' death and in his conquering of death in the grave, we get the opportunity to be at one. We get to be with God. Atonement. For us. 
This is shown even in these, this small picture, probably a part of the Christmas story. For most of us, we've just kind of glanced right over. Maybe we don't understand or don't know, or we just stop at verse 20. But in these verses, we see salvation lived out. Not only do we see a fulfillment of the law for the Hebrews, but we see a light for the Gentiles. Most of us in this room were not Hebrew by birth, but we were Gentile by birth. And so in verse 32, as you continue down, I love that this is a telling from Simeon, one of the men in the temple there, and he says that this Jesus... Verse 32, will be a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This, is, this means that Jesus didn't just come for his family people. He didn't just come for the Hebrews. He didn't just come for the Israelites. He came for everybody else too. This is really good news because there's a lot more like non-Israelites in the world, right? So we're thankful that this is for both Jew and Gentile. He is fulfilling the law for the Hebrews, so all Hebrews should be able to look at this and say, he's doing what he promised. He is the promised one. This is the one we've been expecting. He's doing all of the things. And the Gentiles should look and say, he is a light for us. He's bringing light, like he's taking from dark to light so that we can see the truth. You know, when all the lights are out, not even the, the candles, there's no, no little lights on trees. When it's just dark, it's really dark in this room, like at night. And, and even if this room had no chairs in it, I would be uh, tentative walking across the room, right? Because, because there might be something there. I don't like not knowing where stuff is. You know what I'm saying? That's not, I'm not into that, okay? And so, so even still, because like, it's dark, but, but just one light, this one flicker of light brings, like, fills a whole room that was once dark. And, and Jesus, Jesus is that. He's not just a flicker of light, though, right? He's like a burning flame. And we could, he's a torch for us. He brings the light of the truth so that we can hear and know and understand the gift of salvation gives this to us. And, and so I want to be really clear. If I, if you can give me just a pause for a second. I want to, with best ability, to try to shine a light on what, what it is we're talking about. So, so there is a creator God. There's only one, one God. And this God is perfect in all his ways. Holy, the Bible says, set apart in perfection. He's creator, so he, he made all of us and everything in the world. All of the universe was designed and created by him. And so whatever law he makes, whatever rule he sets out, all creation must obey him because he's perfect and right and good. This makes sense. This God, perfect creator, holy righteous, just, and we are not, right? We, we can quickly see that we, we fall short of that. 
We, we offend God in our breaking of his law. We, we like to go our own way. We like our own plans, our own stuff, our own self. In fact, so oftentimes we think that we're going to be able to fix whatever our problem is on our own. So we work harder. And we just, and especially in this culture, we just, we just try to get more education or, or try to work harder at our job or try to earn more money or try to give more money, try to pray harder. But we can't do that. We can't earn perfection. And the only way to be in the presence of this perfect God is perfection. So God sent his son, Jesus, just in the story we're just now reading, to live a perfect life that we could not live. But because we're this sinful people, we, and have offended God in this way, we deserve death. So what did Jesus do? Jesus lived a perfect life, and then he died the death that you and I deserved to die. He, he took on our death. That's atonement. Taking our punishment for us. What we deserved. That seems like a lot of, that's a gracious gift, isn't it? like abundantly kind. In fact, it's giving us something that we don't deserve. And scripture tells us that there is only one way to receive this gift, right? There, there may have been gifts under your tree this morning. I don't know. But you, it only works like once you unwrap that gift, right? If that, tree, if that gift just stays under the tree, you never open it, then you're not actually using that gift. Remote control car, or video game, or phone, or gift card, who likes gift cards, right? Yeah. Uh, but, but you can't use it if you don't open it. In the same way, Scripture tells us that the way in which we receive or the way in which we open that present, the gift that, of the grace of God, is to repent and believe. I, I often use this phrase here to describe repentance and belief in turning away turning away from our sin and ourself and our stuff and our, trying to fix it ourselves, and trust. Trust in Jesus, that it's Jesus alone that will provide salvation for us. And in this, in that gift, when, when you do that, when you turn from your sin and you trust in Jesus, you will have everlasting life. You get Jesus. You get God. You get the presence of the creator of the universe. You get to be with him forever. Now, that, that might sound baffling. Like, how can we, our measly humans, be able to be in the presence of God? You're right. We shouldn't be able to be. There's nothing in us that, that should allow that. That's how gracious our God is. That's how gracious the one true God is, that he would make a way for us to spend eternity with him. And this is what Christmas is all about. So you kind of wonder, okay, if this is what Christmas is all about, what does Christ cause in people? I would say there's two things that we see in this text that Christ causes in people. One is labor for the Lord. If you keep going to verse 37, this is speaking of the prophetess Anna, and in verse 37, it says that she was a widow until she was 84. She did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. 
You see, she was committed for years to the worship of the Lord, to fasting, meaning giving up what is like fulfilling to her, like even nourishment to her. She would rather give that up in order to spend time in the presence of God and praying. As we kind of near the end of one year and we're getting close to the start of another, I would just say that as a church, I, I hope that we see our own desperate need for God and that we will be a church marked by worship and fasting and praying. Like, could, wouldn't that be just like phenomenal if that's how we were known? Not that we're trying to be known, but that we were known as the people who worshiped God and fasted before him, gave up our, our things and our stuff and our even food for the presence of God. And we were a church that was known for praying. People around the world said, hey, we should, we should call on Colonial Heights because we know they'll pray. Oh, man, I, I, I would love for that. That we would labor for the Lord in the way that we would mimic Anna in this way. And here's a love for the people. What Christ causes in the people of God is that we would work not to earn salvation, but that we would work out of our salvation because we love him and that we would love people. Verse 38, coming up at that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. At that time, everybody she probably knew was Hebrew, was an Israelite, a Jew, and was probably like wondering, when is he coming? When is our rescue coming? We've heard about him and heard about him and heard about him. When is he coming? What does she do? She goes and tells him. This is, this is what love for people looks like. Yes, love for people looks like opening up your home. Yes, love for people looks like uh, giving gifts, food, and, and necessities to others. Making, digging wells around the world or, or giving animals that can like, provide. All of those kind of things are, are needed and, and helpful. But showing love for other people is telling them that their salvation has come. Letting them know that eternity is available for them in Christ. That's loving. I was, I was thinking about this. We, we want to be a church that loves all people from all places in all nations. I was thinking, like, are we, like, every, every week we pray for a different country, right? And uh, those, those are submitted kind of to us. We, we pray for those countries. And, and one of the things that excites me the most is when, when I see a country that we have members that have either lived there or are from there. Like in the last few weeks, we've had some of those. We had Israel just a couple weeks ago. We had Vietnam. We've had uh, like Colombia and we've had Uganda. And we've had, like, these are places that, that our people have been or our people currently are. What a blessing that is. I think like this week we're praying for Sri Lanka. 
Many of us don't even know much about Sri Lanka at all. Go look up Sri Lanka and learn some things like as a family and pray for the people there. And I think about our people that are, are around the world right now. Like we should be praying for the Edgars that are in Uganda. That they're doing this, right? Their, their love for the Lord, their love for people so compelled them to sell their stuff and move to another country so that they could tell them that salvation came. Pray for the Edgars. Pray for the Marshes who are in Mexico who are right now even preparing to, to go to another land where the people don't know the name of Christ. They don't know that salvation has come. We pray for Ellie Brooker, who's in North Africa. We pray for the votes who are soon to be in France. We pray for Diana Way, who's soon to be in the Middle East. All of these people, our church members, who are going to places because they say, we love God and love people enough to make those sacrifices. So this is what we do. And I think about you. Maybe it is that you are supposed to sell your stuff and go to some other part of the world and tell people your love for God and love for people should compel you to that. Maybe it is that you stay right here, but your love for God and your love for people compels you to share the gospel with your neighbor or your coworker or your classmate. Like let Christmas stir this work in you. That love for God and love for people, that working for the Lord. This is what Christ causes in his people. So on this Christmas day, might the joy that is in us, not just a, an excitement from your preacher who like, I get excited most Sundays, right? Not just that, but the true joy of Christmas. Might that joy stir in you, the Holy Spirit moving in you to make Christ's name known in all the earth. As we close, as, uh, in just a moment, we're going to sing. We're going to sing uh, joy to the world because there is joy for the world. There's something to offer to them that salvation has come. Some of you in the room today heard what I said about turning away from and trusting in Jesus, turning away from your sin and trusting in Jesus. And you've never done that. And I want to invite you today, right now, to do just that. Maybe you have questions about that. You're, you're curious. or uh, Some of our staff, pastors and ministers that work here, are, are going to be in this room here right to my left. And if, if while we're singing, you would like to know more about that, then you just, you just walk right there. Make your way there. In fact, they'll kind of hang around a little bit after the service is over that, to be available. But we want you to know this Jesus. We want you to know the joy and hope that we have. So if you're not a follower of Christ, I, I plead with you to choose him today. He's worth it. He is worth it. And if you are a follower of Christ, might today be a day that stirs in you the necessity even, the compelling uh, drive to make Christ's name known in all the earth, to, to pray for people of all the earth that they might know and believe in Jesus. Would you stand with me as we sing?